It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Thursdays with Mary Langston and episodic guest appearances, depending on the subject matter and whether or not I know the answer to the question by uh, her old friend, Trey. Mary Langston, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Happy to I, eat you it. There's not a ton of competition for your for your job. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think <laughs> I found the only person in the world that will do it. But but you're welcome uh, for for joining us. I think. Uh, did you have a good week? <laughs> yes, sir. It was a good week. How was yours? Uh, so far, so good. I mean, it's early. There's a lot that can change, but but so far, so good. Good. Well, we'll hope for the best. Let's do that. Let's hope for the best. You know, that's the motto for the state of South Carolina. While I hope, while I breathe, I hope, or while I hope, I breathe, one or the other. I guess while I breathe, I hope. I think you're right. It's like, I'm um, Spiro Sparrow. I don't know if I said that right. Are you kidding me? Are you really honestly asking me to pronounce a foreign language? Really? Yes, you're actually really good at that, especially Latin. Uh, I think it's while I breathe, I hope, which was kind of ironic to have that emblem or motto in a courtroom, particularly while you're doing the death penalty trial. But there it was. So, um, well, all that to say, uh, we have the gift of life. Spring is in the air. Uh, We have a, a major golf championship coming up this weekend. So there are lots of things to be hopeful for. That's true. And hopefully we can hear from Michael Breed on what that's going to be like. Yeah, he'd be great. He'd be fantastic. So mm-hmm. um, love to have hope Michael come on Sunday night. Hope he'll come back on the podcast. Um, you know, if he gets up in time to do a <laughs> podcast at 1030 or 1130 in the morning, I know it's really early for him, but hopefully he'll do that. Yeah, that would be great. Well, we have a lot of good questions today. Are you ready? I think so. I hope so. Okay, perfect. Well, our first question comes from California and is from Kirk in Los Angeles. He writes, could you ask Trey to give us a civics lesson as to why amendments are allowed to be attached to bills that have nothing to do with the bill? Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a question for me? Yes, you're the one to give the civics lesson. Why would anybody ask me a question about like the rules of Congress and why they do think I have that? Absolutely. I mean, I can take a guess, I guess. But <laughs> I can tell you right now, my answer will not be fully satisfied. I can tell you That's that. That's OK. That's OK. Are you sure you're OK with that? Yes, sir. Hopefully Kirk is. But yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, there's this word that we don't use like a lot in everyday language called germane. Um, I Yeah, it's probably, I don't know, the dictionary definition of germane, but probably relevant, related thereto, I guess, would be definitions of the word germane. 
both the House and the Senate have rules related to germaneness, which require an amendment be related to the subject matter of the bill or the amendment. So, and I know you're sitting there thinking, why did you use that word twice? Well, you can have an amendment and you want to amend the amendment. So, I'm going to try to give you an example. It's probably a terrible example because I'm not ever great at giving examples. But I want you to imagine the House is considering the farm bill, which they do every year, every other year. You remember that, the farm bill when it comes up? Mm -hmm. All right. And so the farm bill is about half what you think of with farms, agricultural subsidies, agricultural issues. And then the other half, of the farm bill um, relates to what is now, I think, called the SNAP program. It used to be called food stamps. I think now it's called SNAP. So Mm -hmm. you with me so far? Mm -hmm. We got a farm bill. Half of it is agricultural subsidies. Half of it is SNAP. We know that the House and the Senate both have rules as it relates to germaneness. These are not like constitutional provisions. It's not the law. These are House rules. In Senate rules, I'm just more familiar with the House. All right. So imagine there's an amendment to the farm bill dealing with Ukraine and providing defense to Ukraine. Do you think that would be germane? Uh, This is the audience participation part of the seminar. I didn't know if it was a rhetorical question. or. I know you don't want to answer because you think that I'm a diabolical lawyer and whatever your answer is, I'm going to do the opposite. I know that's what you're thinking right now. Well, not quite, but go ahead. All right. So you got a farm bill, but you have an amendment dealing with Ukraine and providing defense to Ukraine. And I'll bet you that there's someone out there thinking, well, how is that germane? Mm. Well, what if the bill or the amendment says that we shall buy X number of bushels of wheat from Ukraine in an effort to show our support for them and their resistance. Now you've got wheat linked to the Ukrainian defense. So is that germane? And what if the amendment were to, someone else were to have an amendment to say, we're going to buy wheat and we're going to supply weapons because weapons are also related to the defense of Ukraine. We're supporting their economy by buying wheat. That bolsters the defense. We're supplying weapons. And now we're sitting there thinking, OK, what does the provision or the providing of U.S. weapons have to do with the farm bill? You're welcome to argue nothing. But. Something can be related, even if it's incredibly tangentially related. I told you this was going to be an unsatisfying answer, and thus far has proven to be that. What's most (laughs) unsatisfying about it is the House has something called a rules committee. And the rules committee decides whether or not something is in order, germane, timely, whether it's scored, whether there's a, a budget number associated with it. And Whoever's in control sets the rules for those things. So I've seen amendments that were really, really narrowly drawn and completely related to the underlying bill be ruled out of order for not being germane. 
And I have seen uh, one side offer an amendment to a bill that was also on their side that had no more to do with one another than apples and airplanes. And it was found to be germane because whoever sets the rules gets to decide whether or not it's germane or not. Mm -hmm. And by the way, apples and airplanes, you know, both come from Washington state. They produce a ton of apples every year. And that used to be, and maybe still is one of Boeing's production headquarters. So maybe apples and airplanes are germane to one another. It depends. So I get Kirk's frustration. And if he were there, he would be even more frustrated because there doesn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason to what is found to be germane or not. It is quite candid. This is not a civics lesson. This is a political lesson. It is symptomatic of an underlying pathology which is whoever is in power sets the rules. And it'd be great if those rules made sense and they were evenly applied, but they don't. And that's how you get these massive bills that may start off talking about NASA and wind up talking about something completely unrelated to space. That's how you get it. And it's frustrating. And I get that. But these are not constitutional provisions. It's not, quote, the law. These are House rules. And the the House can interpret its own rules. And the Senate's even worse than the House, by the way. But don't tell Tim or Lindsay I said that. So does it depend on who's in power? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That's one of your many great qualities. You can take 45 minutes of drivel, of meaningless, mindless drivel, and just distill it down to one sentence. No, you have wise words. It depends on who's in power. But both sides will tell you they have a germaneness rule, which is why Kirk asked about it. Both sides will tell you that. It's just whatever they want to be germane is germane. And look, I mean, the the Republicans were in control of the House the whole time I was there. So we had lots of bills and lots of amendments offered by the other side. And, you know, I'm sitting there and they're they're reading the amendment and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, this is like, it's going to be a tough vote because they want to amend this and it you know, may make some sense. And then the next thing I know, the chairman is reading something something from the parliamentarian that the amendment is out of order because it's not germane. And and I'm sitting there thinking, it sounds pretty germane to me. (laughs) Whoever is in power makes the rules. Yes. Yeah. You, I should, I should have you as the guest to answer that question. Yes, you're right. No, you did great. Thank you. And thank you, Kirk, for your question. Our next another one, that's for sure. I hope he will ask another one. He won't. Not after that lengthy. He may ask you one, but he's not going to ask me one. No, that was great. Well, thank you, Trey. Our next question is from Michael. He writes, if you could have a conversation with any of our founding fathers on their opinion on the state of our country, what do you think they'd say? And who would you choose to ask? Um. Well, as you know, Mary Langston, I was in, I was in junior high school with some of our founding fathers, so I did know. 
<laughs> no. We, we 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 actually played on the same basketball team. <laughs> Uh, they would be surprised at the power of the federal government. I can tell you that right now. And the relative weakness of state governments, because that was something they cared a lot about. They on the good side, because I know you and Terry are always getting on me to provide more good news. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is none, but <laughs> I'm going to try anyway. They would be impressed with how the U.S. is still around and still a world power after these centuries, because you know, democracies and republics historically don't last very long. So I think they'd be impressed that we're still around. They um, would be shocked at the power of the federal government and the relative weakness of state governments. They would probably, I mean, I'm imagining, you know, having a conversation. You asked me who I would talk to. I would talk to Jefferson because he wrote the Declaration of Independence, although he had very little to do with the Constitution. And I would talk to Madison, who had a whole lot to do with the Constitution. So those would be the two I picked to talk to, Jefferson and Madison. And I can imagine that they would probably say, you know, the Civil War is on us. That's our fault. We should have and could have prevented that ourselves. Jefferson wrote those incredibly aspirational words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, and we'll go ahead and include women, so all people are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Uh, That's not in the Constitution. That's in the Declaration of Independence. It's incredibly, it's it's transformationally aspirational. Mm -hmm. They just... I mean, I'm not saying they didn't believe it, but they certainly didn't put that into practice in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So they would probably say, you know what, the Civil War, which is, you know, one of the most, if not the most divisive times in our country's history, that's on us. We could have and should have dealt with that at the very beginning of our country. Mm -hmm. What would I ask them? I would probably ask Jefferson, all right, you said we hold these truths to be self-evident. What's the source of your truth? I mean, I mean, truth's a big word. I mean, is it true forever? Is it universally true? Is it eternally true? What's, what's the source of your truth? And what made it self-evident? Because it couldn't have been all that self-evident because other countries didn't believe it. So I, I would I would ask him about the Declaration of Independence and 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 those incredible lines that most most of us can still quote and why he wrote it. And I'm sure he meant it, but in what form did he mean it? And then you know, Mary Langston, of course, at some point. I'm going to have to get around to my favorite topic of all, which is my incredibly low opinion of the human condition. Mm -hmm. They were not fans of the human condition. They were wary of human nature. They were uh, concerned that a democracy or republic could last because of their concern of human nature. And they did a lot of things to kind of, put a check on that human nature. And I would ask them to take a look at where we are now and what did they get right and what did they not foresee? They were not perfect men by any stretch. But what they came up with 
is now the longest running experiment in self-governance the world has ever known. So it, it is it is amazing, not perfect, but amazing what they came up with. And I would ask them about the role of education and morality. I think it was Madison, I think, don't hold me to this, but I think it was Madison that said, none of this is possible without an educated and moral citizenry. Mm-hmm. What did he mean by that? He wasn't talking about formal education. I think he was talking about civics. And, and morality, again, gets back to the truth and a standard and a source of that truth. You know, Jefferson, people don't really like to talk about this, but I mean, Jefferson edited the Bible. You talk about having a high opinion of yourself. I mean, <laughs> most, most of us do not go around editing the Bible. Mm-hmm. But Jefferson did. And but still, he believed he believed something. He, he believed in some higher source of truth. And then I'd want to know kind of, you know, where we got sideways. This what would shock them the most would be the power of the federal government and the relative lack of power of the states. That would stun them. But I'd ask them, where, where do you think it got sideways? Was it the new deal? The new deal was it, you know, us trying to get out of the depression, and so you enhance the power of the federal government. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be the trade-off. I would say, okay, you accept responsibility for the Civil War because you didn't deal with something as fundamental as the equality of all people mm-hmm. from the outset. Fair enough. You know, where did we stray from this Republic of States to a nation where if some people had their way, California and New York would run everything because of how large the states are and how populous they are? So I think, you know, in honor of Terry and you, I'd probably want to end that conversation, you know, on a high note. So I would I would say, look, democracies typically don't last forever, but, but it doesn't mean they can't. And it seems like when the checks on human nature begin to be relaxed, things seem to go south, but people don't want to limit their own power. And so it's beautiful in theory, but human nature tends to get in the way and it gets involved and things begin to change. They went to great lengths to put checks on human nature. And humans being what they are, I mean, I won't go into that whole story of John Stuart Mill and 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 Odysseus and you know giving up his freedom for so he didn't crash in the rocks because he wanted to go hear the sirens, but it's a fascinating story about the, you know, we're big on freedom. You can't go a day without hearing about freedom and liberty. And my whole thing has been the freedom to do what? The freedom to make bad decisions? Is that, is that what you want? So to me, it all gets back to truth. If there is a truth, you should pursue it pretty relentlessly. I would ask Jefferson, you said we hold these truths to be self-evident. Where did it come from? 
And by that point, they probably would have said, you know what? Look, we're not making a lot of progress here. You're not really smart enough to have this conversation with us. Let's go play golf. (laughs) No, that would be a sight. Yeah, I'd probably ask them also about their hair because they had long hair that I thought was pretty cool. (laughs) And I catch a lot of flack about mine. So I'd probably (laughs) probably just go play golf. And I'd say, how did you get away with having hair that long? Those are great questions, Trey. And the one Even about the hair, hair question. You like that one the best? I bet you. Do. I like the source of truth. That's a great question. Right. I was going to ask you something. What was what were some of the questions that you used to ask your office when you were a prosecutor? It was similar to the freedom. What was it? Unity. Oh, I made them read the Million Dialogue, mm-hmm. and then I would ask them, "Which do you value more, truth or freedom?" And every every one of them picked freedom, except me. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm not a big fan of freedom, but with with freedom includes the, you know, the freedom to make the wrong choice. So I, I, I'm not saying they're not both important, but if there is something called the truth, I would I would value that more than I did anything else. And then I ask them which they valued more unity or diversity. And all but two picked diversity over unity. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I was in the minority, Mary Langston. I, you, mm-hmm. you, they're all four important, but I would pick truth and unity over freedom and diversity. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'd love to have all four, but the exercise was you got to pick one over the other. And right. so I was in the minority and uh, what, or they may have just been mad at me for making them spend their lunch hour reading the million dialogue. I don't know. That might've been it. <laughs> that could have been part of it. You never know. Yeah, it could have but, been. It. Why can't we watch the young and the restless? I mean, why, <laughs> why do we have to read this? Why can't we watch a soap opera? <laughs> you just wanted them to sharpen their minds. I just to think, you know, just to think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you were answering that question, it made me think of what you would ask them. Well, you remember more about what I used to make people do than I remember. <laughs> I mean, now that you mentioned it, yes, I made them read the million dialogue, but I think my therapist has encouraged me to block all of that out. But thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> You're so welcome. I've only had to read the Odyssey. I haven't made it to the dialogue yet. Uh, the Odyssey is fantastic. Um, I think the million dialogue might have, might have been chronicled by a guy named Thucydides. It might be in his book called The Peloponnesian War, but I but don't hold me to that. I think for sure it's Thucydides. Mm-hmm. It's short. You'd like it. You can Google it. You'd like it. Well, thank you for answering that question, Trey. And thank you, Michael, for the question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Our last question comes from Carrie in Ohio. She writes, what is happening in our world? So much violence, so much pain. Is our current gun laws or what? Um. Wow. Well, crime was up in the 60s and 70s pretty dramatically, too. So I know this seems uh, terrible, and it is if you're a victim of crime. Um, Mm. But it's been bad before. It went down, and uh, and it had been down until recently. So, Carrie, I would tell you 
I mean, I'm big on evidence. Your, your chances have been of being hurt by someone who claims to love you and who knows you are exponentially greater than a stranger. Um, our, 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 the stranger crime is what scares us the most, but statistically, and I know you've heard me say this, Mary Langston, you're, you're much more likely to be hurt by someone who knows you and claims to love you than you are a stranger. Mm-hmm. What's going on in the world? Human nature is what's going on in the world. A lack of a moral code. I mean, I hear every excuse you can conjure for why people hurt, rob, and kill other people. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear all the excuses. I heard them when I was in the other system. I find the excuses to be totally underwhelming. I mean, they're literally just that excuses. There are plenty of people who don't have a tremendous formal education and they don't hurt other people. And there are plenty of folks um, with dead end jobs or have lost their job or a lack of economic upward mobility and they don't hurt other people. And there are plenty of folks themselves who have been victimized and they don't hurt other people. I think we're just going to have to accept the fact that there's always been this little, you know, streak of violence in our country. It goes through peaks and valleys, but, but it's always been there. I mean, she asked about gun laws. We have a lot of them. Do we have enough? Are they being enforced? You know, where are the guns coming from? What I would encourage you to do, Carrie, and what, what I wish someone would do, uh, it's hard to do it in a hyper-politicized environment. But So we had this mass shooting in Buffalo. The gun, they tell us, was lawfully purchased in a state that is not a red state. I mean, it's New York. The gun was lawfully purchased in New York and was used to commit a, a, a horrific mass shooting. How? So I'd like to see an analysis of every mass shooting in the country for the past three decades, every one of them. Hmm. How was the gun accessed? Where did it come from? What law had it been on the books at the time could have prevented it? Now, we had a mass shooting in Charleston. Um, Who do I blame for that mass shooting in Charleston? I blame the shooter himself. He was a racist full of hate, the world, frankly, I don't expect you to agree with this, Mary Langston, but the world would be completely better off without him in it, totally better off without him in it. Mm -hmm. But how did he get the gun? I mean, I know how he got the gun. He, He wasn't supposed to get one. The background check was supposed to show that he had pending charges, but someone dropped the ball. And, and he got a gun. So do we need more gun laws? Not if they're not going to be enforced. What I tell folks all the time, you devise for me a law that will prevent the next mass shooting. And I'm all ears. Tell me what that law would be. We have a ton of gun laws on the books, a ton of them. Are they being enforced or do we just wait until there's a mass shooting and then start talking about them. And then what's really super frustrating is when there is a mass shooting and you go back and look and say, well, the gun was lawfully purchased because that makes us feel like there's nothing we can do to stop it. I mean, there's a mental health component to it. I mean, there were a thousand warning signs with this shooter in Buffalo, as there have been with many other mass shooters. So I, 
uh, I, I'm a speaking of Jefferson. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Life. Life is before liberty. It's before the pursuit of happiness. Life is the most important thing. I'm all for preserving life. So you show me the law that can prevent the next mass shooting. Um, and I'm all ears. But I, I haven't seen that law yet. So, so much violence, so much pain. Um, human nature. And uh, it kind of goes back to the first question. How do we check and keep under control human nature? But I'm a life guy. I'm a law and order guy. I, I And, you know, I'm a truth person over freedom. Um, I think I think you can have both, but I choose truth. And the truth is, you're not supposed to hurt other people, and there is no excuse for doing so. And we live in a culture where they love to make excuses for everything. There is no excuse for shooting someone else, mm-hmm. except, aside from self-defense. There is no excuse. So, I mean, we sit there and, I mean, all the time they say, you know, what was the motive? As if that's somehow going to explain to us why somebody went into a church and shot up a congregation. I mean, what, what could the motive be? There is no motive that explains that. Mm. So we're, we're a violent people. What's the answer? You know, more people like Terry and Mary Langston, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. and, and some acceptance of the truth and a realization that human nature is flawed and there need to be checks on that human nature and a prioritizing of life. So I'm sorry I'm so dark and depressing today, but actually I'm just being myself. (laughs) It is heartbreaking, but you always leave us with something to think on. So thank you, Trey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily a compliment, but yeah, I, I think these questions are very thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I'm a life person. Every single right you have requires you to be alive. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would love for this country to take seriously people's right to just live and not be shot at work or church or the grocery store. So between staying alive and giving someone some right or liberty for them to abuse, I'm going to side with life. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Carrie, for your thoughtful questions. We had a lot of good ones this week, as we always do. Well, hopefully we'll have some more and then maybe we can turn the tables and I can ask the questions next week and you can answer them. So people, you know, aren't spiraling into a (laughs) depression because my answers so reflect how I really feel about the human condition. Well, you're wise and I am sure that you'll have great answers for us next week too. Uh, We'll find out. Um, All right. I'll see you around. I hope God willing. And I hope everybody has a fantastic week and enjoys the PGA and enjoys the spring and Memorial Day weekend is fast coming. So there are lots of things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. We'll put my answers out of your mind and go enjoy this gift of life. Yes. Have a great week. All right. You too, Mary Langston. Thank you. Thank bye-bye. You.
listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.